Hi, and welcome to the Midday Tree with NZ Elite. I'm Veronica, one of the team's interns for the summer. And today we're talking to Matt Yano, who will be competing in the Frankfurt Marathon at the end of October, along with his teammates Scott Smith and Scott Fobble. So how did it feel once the team was able to announce that you'll be racing the Frankfurt Marathon? Uh, it's nice to have the cat out of the bag. It's um, something that we've known for a little while. And um, to be honest, coming off the injury that I've been dealing with for the last uh, eight or nine months, whatever it's been, um, it was really nice to put something on the schedule and to have that to look forward to. And that was something that was really motivating for me to get through all the PT and get through all the cross training and um, just the idea that, I had a really tangible um, goal to aim towards. Some was something that was really helpful all throughout the the darker days when I didn't necessarily wake up all that excited about um, training or running. Yeah. So then, why Frankfurt? Because there's all sorts of fall marathons. Like you've done Berlin, you've done New York. So why this one over in Europe? Um. So Frankfurt initially came about during a uh, like a marathon meeting that we were having with the team and. Um, we threw out all kinds of races as just, we went around the room and everyone kind of said their ideal race, of what maybe they wanted to run that fall, because we had at the time, um, eight people, I think, who were going to be running fall marathons. So, um, we kind of just wanted to get a feel for where everyone was and, um, what they were thinking about for the fall. And, um, Frankfurt was one that came up, Berlin came up, um, New York city came up, twin cities, um, just, there were just CIM, like the list was just really long and, we kind of, um, in a way, we kind of almost like paired off and um, split off and different people were like, oh yeah, actually I really like the idea of that one. And we had people kind of talk about why they were interested in certain marathons. And um, this was one that really appealed to me because uh, it was a little bit later in the fall. Um, so it gave me a few extra weeks, like an, an extra month or so uh, past something like Berlin to continue to build fitness and maybe be able to take my time a little bit more coming off of the injury. And so, um, for me, the timing seemed really good and the course is flat and fast. It's typically pretty deep, um, with a lot of guys running right around that 209 to 211, 212 range. So, um, it just really ticked a lot of the boxes that we were looking for. And, um, with the situation that I've been in with being hurt and, um, just, being injured in New York City last fall, like uh, I wanted to have one where I could come back and just run, um, you know, try to run as comfortably as I can with as few obstacles as possible. So like that meaning like a flat course, um, which is typically what I've run better on and um, just have a good experience again. I'm looking to just, um, not that I've ever fallen out of love with the marathon, but the last couple that I've done have been tougher um, on my body for sure. So uh, to have one where I can just come back and feel positive about it again and um, build momentum going into 2018 and then um, on into 2020 for the trials that year um, was something that was really important to me. So that's kind of what we're looking for um, to get out of this one. And then uh, it was really nice when Scott Fauble and Scott Smith kind of uh, joined in on the idea of doing Frankfurt. And so the three of us are going to go over there together and 
Um, we're testing a few things a little bit differently this time with staying at altitude a little bit longer. We're going to go to St. Moritz for the last couple weeks um, leading into the marathon. So we'll be there until two days before the race and then we'll take the train into Frankfurt. And um, that's where I've felt the best in my races is staying at altitude until two days right before. Um, the last like three marathons that I've done, we've gone down to sea level for three weeks beforehand and I just don't feel as good when I do that. So um, hopefully this will be something that will allow us to um, not only stay at altitude, but also get adjusted to the different time and, um, you know, different food and just all that kind of stuff with uh, two weeks beforehand being enough of, hopefully enough of a, um, enough of a kind of grace period to adjust to all those things to give ourselves the best chance of success on race day. So what um, altitude is or elevation is Frankfurt? Not Frankfurt, sorry, St. Marie's at? Uh, I think it's at about 6,000 feet. So, it's, so right it's, around here. It's just a touch lower than Flagstaff, but it's still high enough that it's like, it's not, our bodies aren't going to go through that sea level adaptation. So right. um, I think it'll be uh, plenty high that we can kind of maintain what we've built here and, and how our bodies run when we're at um, 7,000 feet in Flagstaff. And then... Um, it'll just be just be a tad lower, which I don't know if that'll really affect how fast we'll be able to run on our last couple workouts. Probably not. Um, maybe if anything, it'll just make them feel a little bit easier. But um, a thousand feet, I don't think makes all that much difference when you're already up this high. Yeah. And then you'll be with both Scots. Scott and Scott. Yeah. yeah. So do you think you'll get used to hearing Scott a lot? Oh, yeah. Well, so we call... Scott Smith, I, don't, I, don't, I think most people do this. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I call Scott Smith Scott, and I call Scott Fobble Fobbs. Yeah. So um, I think that's kind of what most people do. So that's kind of how we distinguish um, between them. Then on our team, we also have Ben Bruce and Ben Rosario. So that gets really confusing a lot. And now there's myself and Matt Fitzgerald. So we get confused a lot. So it's like some people have started calling me Maddie. Some people call me Matthew. Um and then they, a lot of people call him Matt. I call him Fitz. I call him um, Fitz too. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, we just kind of find ways to uh, discern between each of us. But um, yeah, that's definitely something that when I refer to them collectively, it's just Scott and Scott or the <laughs> Scots. Um, but it's fun. They're, they're two of my favorite people. And I, I'm really excited to be um, lining up for a marathon with the two of them. I don't know if I could have picked two, two better training partners and two better people to uh, give me confidence on race day. So do you like fobs a bit more because he gave you a donut yesterday morning <laughs> for your birthday? Um, <laughs> yeah, so Scott Fobble gave me a donut um, as a belated, like, he couldn't make it to my birthday dinner, so he gave me a donut um, after the workout yesterday. And I really appreciated it after the workout because I he gave it to me um right before the warm-up and then it, I kind of just like got pushed out of my mind and I totally forgot about it and then when I got back to my car and I was putting my backpack in the trunk um I saw it there and I was like this is the best this is awesome and so it really gave me an appreciation for him um but that being said like Scott Smith does awesome things too when he's in town so I would say right now Fobble's my favorite because he's here he's giving me donuts like, what more could you ask for? But um, Scott Smith is in L.A. right now. He's, like, away for the next month, which I'm not thrilled about because I like having him around for workouts and just, like, hanging out and easy runs and all that stuff. So, um, but he'll he'll immediately shoot right back to the top of the list when he gets back here. Nice. 
And then since you're doing it with two training partners, that's going to be a little bit more different, do you think, from trials when you ran it with Scott Smith and then Ben, who eventually had the job out, mm-hmm. but then Callan, who was in the women's race. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about this marathon segment because for most of my marathons, with the exception of the trials, I've run pretty much everything on my own. Um, most, I mean, a, a lot of easy days, like you have company with the team, but um, I was always doing more mileage than everyone else. So I would get there, I would get to practice like 15 or 20 minutes early. I would start my run before everyone else. And then we would do their run and then I would have to continue adding on afterwards. And so it just kind of becomes a grind. And so to have two people that I'm going to be running step by step, you know, for the entire segment with um, is something that really um, I'm looking forward to. And uh, with the trials, it was it was nice having Scott Smith um, and Ben and Kellen. Uh, Scott Smith and I in particular worked out side by side for pretty much the whole way in that one as well. And then um, it was really nice when the race came to, you know, we lined up right next to one another and we tried to kind of key off one another. And then we went through um, a phase in the middle of the race where there was a big move made around 15 miles that I didn't feel comfortable going with. And so I kind of hung back and he went with it. And that was really where like the first separation was between the two of us. Um, and a couple miles later, like I was able to kind of catch back up to Scott and it was another one of those moments where he was starting to feel a little bit rough and I was kind of starting to catch a second wind. And so, um, it was just really nice to have both of us out there encouraging one another and just to have a a voice there saying like, come on, like, you know, just like in training, this is what we've done. This is what we prepare, prepared for. Um, we can handle this. We're ready. You know, just all these things, these, um, positive mind shift kind of statements, um, that we can make to one another. And, and I think that that was really helpful. And, um, going into this marathon segment, knowing that like at the end of it, I'm going to line up and race with these two guys. And I think we're all really comparable as far as, um, what we can accomplish in the marathon. And so, and I think that each of us throughout the segment is just going to complement each other's weaknesses and strengths and just collectively we're going to be that much stronger for having trained with each other for these next three months and so um it's something that i'm really excited about from like just having done so much on my own to and like kind of getting used to that to a certain extent and um kind of getting not that i've ever really been complacent but like just having other people there it makes the effort feel easier it makes it more fun it makes it go by faster um it makes you able to run a little bit faster in a lot of those workouts. And so um, I've already seen uh, with Scott Fogel in particular, just because he's been here a little bit more than Scott Smith has, um, he's pushing me in these workouts. And it's like, on one hand, it's frustrating me because I'm coming back from this injury and I'm like, I just want to be able to run with you. Um, But on the other hand, I know that it's also making me better because it's, um, it's forcing me to, to really make sure that I'm focusing on recovery and to really make sure that I'm ready for the next run when it comes up. Um, cause I know that Fobble is going to be ready. So, um, that's a nice thing to be able to have someone there to hold you accountable and to, um, just really raise the bar when, um, I like to feel like I've a lot of times set it pretty high myself, but, um, to have him come in as like kind of the, this rookie marathoner and, uh, he's just getting ready for his first one. And so to see him 
already like elevating the bar a little bit more still um, is really fun for me because I think that that's going to just help me to squeeze out that extra little bit of myself that I haven't been able to do in the marathons that I've run so far. So I think um, we're going to be looking at something really special this fall and I'm just, I'm excited to be a part of it and um, just excited, excited to like share all of it with the fans all throughout the process and um, there'll be good and there'll be bad and there already has been good and bad um, for some of us. So um, to continue to share that is something that's really important to us. And um, so that's exactly what we're going to do. And have you given any advice to Fobs because it's his first marathon or have you told him to be a little bit more careful, sleep more, nap more, stuff like that? Yeah, I don't think we need to tell him to sleep more. <laughs> um, I think he's pretty on top of that. But yeah, no, we have been kind of like giving him little tidbits here and there. Um, he, over the past couple months, as, as we've been just kind of, we were starting to dip our toes back into the water, into the, you know, waters of marathon training and I was coming back from this injury, so I was not running as much. And um, we would be like at a drill session or something, and Fable would be like, he'd kind of whisper to the side, he'd be like, do we do drills during marathon training? And I'm like, dude, we do it all. Like we do the drills, we do the strides, we do, and all of it is on high mileage and like really tired legs. And I think that was just a really dis like disappointing um, revelation to him because he just thought that when you're marathon training, all you need to do is run. And um, that's not really the way that we do it. So um, it's just been little kind of tidbits like that. So I haven't like sat him down and had a talk, a talk with him, but um, it's just been like, as things progress, like he'll raise questions about like, oh, we do six mile afternoon runs. We do eight mile afternoon runs. And um, some of that stuff he's going to experience this time around, but some of it he won't because it's just his first marathon cycle. So, but I like to think, you know, I've run five marathons now, so um, I like to think that I've learned from a lot of the mistakes that I've made. And, um, a lot of that, like I said, was going through and just kind of, um, trial and error, just learning because I didn't have people to train with at the early on. So, um, it was just learning on my own and making mistakes and, and then figuring out how to make it better the next time. And so if I can impart any of that wisdom onto, um, not only Scott Fobble and his first one, but any of my other teammates, um, then I'm happy to do that because I think, again, like I was saying, if you, if you elevate everyone else, you're bringing yourself right up with it. So, um, that's something that I feel really strongly about. And I think that, um, everyone can always learn from someone, um, in whatever different capacity it may be, different people have different things to offer. But, um, that's one thing that I have a good bit of experience now having run five marathons in all different settings and different, um, you know, some of them being flat and fast, some of them being hilly and technical, uh, or not technical, but like, um, tactical is what I was looking for. Um, and so, yeah, if I can, if I can pass any of that on to anyone else, um, I'm happy to do that. And you see us doing that in workout videos and blog posts and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it doesn't just stop at the team, but um, obviously that's like the most impactful on our own performance. So that's definitely something that we're going to uh, work on all together when we when we build a plan moving towards Frankfurt. And then now we've just announced the new documentary, 183.4, which is the sum of the seven people doing the marathons times 26.2. That's So that's where the numbers come from if anyone is confused. So what are your thoughts on that? Like that there's going to be someone really following y'all like throughout 
this entire training block. I think it's going to be really cool. I think it's going to give people kind of an unprecedented look into what we're doing. And we've always been, from the inception of our team, we've always been um, adamant about sharing our journey and sharing our training. And we post all of our training logs on Final Surge. And we put up workout pictures. And we, we put out videos that Jen Rosario, um, like, creates behind the scenes and a lot of people don't know that and um yeah so we we put out all this content as it is and that's you know we're doing it ourselves um but i think this one will be nice because it's coming from a little bit of a different platform where instead of us doing a documentary about ourselves or or videos about ourselves um it's someone else doing a documentary about us so i think it's going to give you a really different perspective on um what our training is like and what our lives are like and uh, you're going to see different sides to people and you're going to see vulnerability and you're going to see um, just like rawness and and the passion that we all have and the drive that we all have and it's, it's all going to be in there and um, yeah so I think it's going to give a really unique perspective and and I'm excited about it I think it's something that will help to connect all of us even more with the fans that we have and um that's always been something that we've believed in doing and so i think that having this um documentary made about us is going to be just another extension kind of of that arm but from a different perspective so i think it's going to be a unique way to see in um about everything that we're doing so going back to earlier you were saying how you've been injured so you got injured after trials and then unfortunately again after New York. So it's kind of, I feel like it's almost changing your perspective going into Frankfurt where you're coming off a lot of injury troubles and stuff like that. So can you just take us through what all those injuries were like and how now you're back and healthy and killing it? Yeah. Yeah. So it actually, um, it started even a little bit before the trials, um, going into the Berlin marathon in 2015, um, I went to Portland for the last three weeks to do some sea level training. And when I was there, I just, I was feeling so much at the time. I just kind of thought it was tightness in my adductors and I was going to see doctors there and, um, and chiropractors and PTs and all this. And I, I remember going into one of them in particular and saying like, I think I have a, what I had researched to be a sports hernia. Um, is what it was called online. And I, I went into this doctor and I said, this is what I think I have. Like all the signs are classic. They're all there. Um, and he kind of like poo-pooed it. He's like, no, it's not, it's definitely not that. And, um, I had an adjustment from him and, and it's a great, I, this guy is really good, but I had an adjustment from him that was really aggressive and I was sore for like six days. Um, and that was, that was kind of like the beginning of, my struggles and um so I went I ran Berlin um didn't really feel it during the race all that much which was good I mean, you um, PR'd. and I PR by like at the time it was like a four and a half minute PR or something um and then let me think so coming off of that I didn't run for probably I didn't run for two weeks and then I went for a test run and everything hurt like in my pelvis and I was like this is not good so I started seeing more doctors again. I took more time off um, and I just got to a point, I was working with John Ball in Phoenix and I got to a point when like the trials were 12 weeks away and I wasn't running yet. And so I was like, 
we were trying all this conservative treatment without really running. And I was like, you know what? I can run. Um, it hurts, but I can run. So I was like this making, making an honest go at making this Olympic team is really important to me. So, um, I kept up with treatment. I kept up with PT, but I had to get back to the running. So even though I knew that my body wasn't going to be able to absorb all of that PT and, and treatment, um, as much because I was running a lot more, um, it was just a chance that I kind of had to take at the time. So, um, went into the trials, uh, again, a little banged up actually, um, the week before the trials or the week of the trials, actually, um, I also broke my toe in like a freak random accident. Wait, how? Um, I, we went to watch a race at the beach. We were staying in San Diego for the last couple of weeks to do some sea level. And, uh, we went to a race at the beach and I was like, Oh, the, we, we did our run. And I'm like, the water is probably really cold. It probably feels really good. So I went to get in it to like kind of pseudo ice my legs a little bit. And I got dragged out by a rip current, um, or riptide, whatever it's called. And I'm a good swimmer. Like I was a swimmer for 15 years or something growing up and I was struggling to get out of the water. Like to a point I was almost ready to start panicking. And, um, as I'm swimming back towards the shore, uh, this giant wave just came behind me and crashed on top of me and sent me spinning underwater. I didn't know which way was up and, um, started to lose my breath, started to panic, whacked my foot on a rock, um, that was just on like on the ocean floor and, uh, kind of hobbled, eventually like got out of the water, come, kind of hobbled out. And I was like, gosh, that really hurt. But like, it looked okay at the time. So I was like, all right, well, it's fine. And then in the neck, over the next 24 hours, it got really swollen and turned all black and blue. And, um, I was texting pictures to my PTs back in Flagstaff and I was like, I don't know what to do with this toe. And they're like, well, what do you want us to do? <laughs> like, they're like, it's definitely broken with the way that it looks. So that was kind of a freak accident. So I was just like slathering it with this topical, uh, anti-inflammatory stuff. And, um, I attempted a workout a few days later on a really at Lake Miramar, if you're familiar with it, it's a, a lake in San Diego that has a bike path around it. And has some really sharp turns, which was actually good practice for what we were going to face in LA at the trials. So I did that um, as kind of a test to see how my foot would feel. And it felt okay. I could feel my toe a little bit, but um, I was confident that over the next couple of days it would feel fine. And um, I didn't end up feeling that in the race at all, which was nice. But um, yeah, that was kind of like, that was an aside because that was just a freak accident. But um, coming off the trials, uh, with all the turns and everything, I, I couldn't walk after the trials and that's when I knew something was really wrong. Um, so I again, consulted with a bunch of doctors. I think, I think when all was said and done, I saw seven or eight doctors for this issue and was getting different opinions from different people. And, um, what it came down to was, was actually talking to a couple of other runners who had experienced similar symptoms and, they referred me to several of them referred me to a doctor in Philadelphia, um, at a private Institute. And so I flew out there, um, like two days later or something and, uh, got an MRI confirmed that I had some real issues in my pelvis. And, uh, what ended up being was both my rectus abdominis, uh, muscles on both sides were torn. Both of my adductors were torn. My pectineus on both sides was torn. Um, 
I had a partial labral tear and I had uh, severe osteitis pubis. So it was a lot going on. Um, and essentially I had run Berlin and the trials with that. So I had it surgically repaired in um, April of 2016, didn't run for a couple more months, and then eventually got back into training and um, got started to gear up for New York. And I started to feel all along that my left side, which was the worst side going into that first surgery, wasn't quite back to 100%. Um, the right side, I felt like came along really well in all of my physical therapy. The left side, it just still felt like something was off. And so I kind of just ignored it and I just, I just chalked it up to being like, because it was worse before the surgery, like it wasn't going to come around as quickly after. So that's kind of just what I thought. Um, and then training was going phenomenally. I've never been fitter than I was going to New York. I was just like ripping stuff at altitude that very few people to our knowledge have done up here and um, just feeling really good doing all of it. And about three weeks before New York City, uh, I did an 18 mile steady state at like 510 pace or something um, up here in Flagstaff. And I finished that run and my my back, my SI joint on the left side was like really sore. And um, looking back on that, like if you fast forward a couple months, looking back on that, um, that actually can be a sign of a torn labrum, um, which I didn't know at the time. I just assumed it was from running straight out in one direction of the road. And, um, you know, with the slight crown of the road, sometimes your mechanics get a little shifted because your body's a little bit, you know, tilted. And so I kind of just thought that it was that, but, um, kind of forged ahead and, and went to Providence to do my sea level training and, saw more doctors out there and tried different therapies to try to loosen up my hip and uh, my SI joint had a ton of massage and dry needling and physical therapy and um, John Ball came out from Phoenix so I was seeing him uh, in the last couple of days leading up to the race and um, started out the race felt fine felt really good was a little aggressive early on in New York and then um, I felt like my back just again, that, that same spot, my SI joint just really started tightening up and, um, really wasn't feeling good. And then later in the race, it, I felt like it kind of moved a little bit more into my hip and, um, but I still finished. It really didn't go well. I ran like 220 or something. Honestly, I never even looked at my finishing time. Um, but obviously, uh, something was wrong once again. And I, and I was just, uh, devastated. And again, I couldn't walk after the race and, um, but I just didn't want to drop out. It was like, I was in New York city. I'm from New York. I wanted this like, um, kind of homecoming kind of race. And it just, it didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to. But, um, so once again, after the race, I got another MRI and flew back to Philadelphia, um, and had to get another surgery. So this one was actually two more surgeries. Um, one of them was to repair the labrum that was now completely torn. Um, and then the second one was a re-exploration of the surgery that I had in April. So just kind of, I wanted them to go back in and make sure that everything was still intact that they had done, um, at the surgery in April. And so, yeah, but the labral tear was the big one that time around. So that one's like a, a six to eight month recovery typically. And, um, coming off of that, I took off another 
I don't even know, six months or something. Of no running, no cross training. No running. Uh, I was able to cross train eventually. Um, like really, it started out with really light biking, like 20 minutes a day, no resistance, just like moving my legs really slowly to start to get range of motion back. And then eventually that shifted into, I think swimming was maybe the next thing I could do. And then aqua jogging and then like actual running, which started with a minute on minute off times five, like walk jog. And, um, it was really humbling and it was, um, there were a lot of really hard days where I just, I thought it wasn't worth it anymore. And, and that I wouldn't get back to where I was. And, um, it was just, it was really hard, but again, that's where like setting this goal of running Frankfurt really helped me because, um, that was at a time that came at a time that meeting where, I was cross training like seven or eight hours a day and it was just like, wait, seven hours a day. Yeah. It was killing me, but I would, a day. Uh, yeah, I would like bike for an hour. I would go, um, swim for an hour, hour and a half. I would come back. I'd like go for my little walk jog. I would do PT for two hours. I would aqua jog for two, for like an, another hour or two. Um, it was just like constant. It was, it was exhausting, but, um, I think that, setting the goals that we did was what helped to get me through all of that. And, um, it's what enabled me to get back to running as quickly as I did, um, eventually. Uh, and it's what's helped me, I think, to be able to get back into workouts now and, um, to start to see things coming around again now with still having 12 and a half, 13 weeks to go. Um, so I feel, I feel good about where I am now. Um, obviously I would have preferred not to have missed nine or 10 months out of the last like 16, <laughs> but, uh, it's really the first time in my life that I've ever dealt with injury. So, um, I'm just hopeful that my body just, I've accumulated enough mileage over time that, um, the fitness does come back faster. And so that's, that's what I'm hoping. And, um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it pans out, but uh, I feel good. I feel good about it now, and I'm I'm confident in where we're going over the next couple of weeks. That literally blows my mind that you were cross training for seven or eight hours a day. That <laughs> yeah. So the, then, what kept you in the sport besides you know having Frankfurt on the map and being with your teammates? Like, what really made you be like, I want to stick with this? You know? Yeah. I think I think a big part of it was um, well, there were a couple things, but a big part of it was just knowing that. Uh, knowing that I have so much more potential and I'm, I'm capable of doing so much more than I've done. Um, you know, I think on paper, like a lot of people would probably be satisfied with what I've done so far with, you know, I've run 61 minutes for the half marathon. I've run 212 for the marathon. Um, I've made a world team. Um, I was sixth at the Olympic trials. And I think a lot of people would look back on that and be like, Oh, that was pretty nice. It was like a pretty good run. But, um, I, there's always more that I want to get out of it. You know, I, I have much higher goals. So I think that was a big part of it was just knowing that I've never, I've never really emptied the tank and, and that's what I desperately want to do. And so that was a big part of it. And then the other part of it too is, um, just still, I feel like there are a lot of people that, um, that I can inspire in different ways and, um, a lot of people that I can help in different ways. And, um, that was something that brought me back into it. And through, through a lot of the injury, I would go back and 
reread messages that I got from like kids or uh, other runners, collegiate runners, professional runners, like all these different levels um, from like after when I came out in 2013. Uh, and honestly, that was something that was really helpful because reading their just all of their positivity about what I had done and, and them saying that I had inspired them to like have the courage to come out to their family or um, inspired them to continue pursue running at a collegiate level, whereas initially they weren't going to do it after high school or whatever it might be. Like there are so many different stories and um, that was something that I really clung to and I really um, valued when I was at a low point. And so um, I thought that, you know, if I threw in the towel when things got hard, like that was um, a little bit hypocritical and it's just, it's not the way that I want to live my life. And so it's not the way that I want to pursue my running either. And so um, that was something that helped to kind of bring me back to the light and dig me out of the hole that I was in. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just really powerful for me. So I think that that was, that was huge because otherwise, um, things I think could have ended up a lot differently. And I think having the team atmosphere of Northern Arizona Elite certainly helped as well because you were able to like see other people killing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a little bit of a catch-22 actually because um, it was nice to have all of my teammates around and um, to see everyone doing really well. But at the same time, it made it really hard because I felt like I felt like the train kept going and I was getting left behind. And so... Um, I certainly wasn't resentful towards any of them for, for having their success, but um, it was something that made me envious and it made me like want to be back in that position. But um, yeah, to your point, like it was also motivating. So um, that was another thing along with all these other factors and goal setting and all that stuff that um, helped me to get back into it and helped me to realize that like I wasn't done doing what I needed to do. And so um, certainly the team atmosphere helped and having such an awesome support network from, um, not only Northern Arizona elite and coach Ben and, um, Hoka and just, just really everyone around me, all of my other friends, my parents, my family, um, it all made such a difference. And I think that, um, I couldn't have done it if, if all of that stuff hadn't come together as it did. And it's interesting because you were saying when I first met you earlier this summer that you're one of the first members of the team. Mm -hmm. So really, you've really seen the team go from nothing to like something huge. What's that been like for you being like you know in Flagstaff to seeing that all evolve? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool actually. I'm I am like the original member, um, the OG. What is it they say? Um, but the original gangster. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I first moved to Flagstaff, uh, it was just on my own. It was in 2012. I did not have a coach. I didn't have a sponsor. Um, I didn't have training partners. I didn't really know anyone in town um, except the people that I would see, you know, posting about living in Flagstaff and stuff. So I didn't have anything set up. Um, and about a year later, I was approached by Ben um, with this idea to start a new professional team in town. And he wanted to do things differently from how people had been doing them before. And um, I I still remember it really clearly, like we met for a run on Schultz Pass, on the single track trails at Schultz Pass Road. And um, he presented this idea to me. And I, I remember at the time saying, well, I need to I need to think about it. I and then I think it was the next day I called him and we met up at Kickstand Cafe, one of Classic. his favorite places. Yeah. 
And I said, I want to do it. I just, I love the idea. I loved his energy, his um, enthusiasm, his just, just the whole package that he came with. And so, um, yeah, that was where kind of the team was originally born. And that was at the time called Team Run Fan. Um, that was in June of 2013. And then shortly after that, we added a few more people. Um, and in January of 2014 was when we rebranded and we became Northern Arizona Elite and then added a bunch more people. Um, and then about a year after that, in, so it was, I think it was in February or March of 2015 um, was when we signed on with Hoka and they, they sponsored the whole group. So um, it's been really cool to see the evolution and to see um, all of the new people that we've brought in and, and the caliber of athletes that we're able to bring in now. And, um, it's always when you're, when you're here for a long time and you're part of something for a long time, um, there are a lot of good times that you're seeing and, and there's, it's fun to see that evolution and that progression. Um, but it also comes with sad times too. Like you see people retire and you see people, um, leave the team for various reasons. And we just had Eric Fernandez retire and he was, um, he was one of the first teammates that I had that first, uh, fall of 2013. So, um, you know, that was, it was great that he had such a great marathon in, uh, December at CIM last year, but, um, I was hoping to get to do some more marathon training with him. So it was a bummer that, that he left, but you know, that's, it's part of this sport. Like people only do it for so long and, um, you know, you're going to see people come and go. And that doesn't mean that, they're like leaving town necessarily or they're leaving your life but um it does kind of change the dynamic a little bit when you're not training with them and um you know doing all this stuff with them on a daily basis so um it does change the, the dynamic a little bit but um for the most part it's been awesome to see the evolution to see like even the younger guys when they come in and to see how they evolve as part of the team um from like their position as um, like newcomers into then leaders of the team um, when we get people coming after them. So um, it's been really cool. I've been fortunate to be part of it from the beginning and um, it's, it's fun to see like this little baby that was really Ben and Jen's, um, Ben and Jen Rosario's, but it's, uh, I also feel like a little bit of ownership as well um, on my own part. Just because I've been part of it for so long, and I do feel like I've helped, hopefully, to contribute to the culture of the team a little bit, and um, that I've helped to cultivate like um, really aggressive goal setting and and positive mindsets and all that kind of stuff. So I think everyone has something to contribute to the team, and um, I think me being part of it from the beginning is definitely something that gives me a unique perspective on it. Yeah. So we're just getting with a couple wrap-up questions because we want to get you to strength because you've had like 10 minutes. <laughs> so um, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Ooh. I'm not a big ice cream guy, actually. So um, do you like, like sorbet or something more? No. I, I mean, I would probably just go with like like a good quality like vanilla bean. Like, And I probably prefer gelato. Okay. Yeah, but I don't do all that much dairy anymore. So. Okay. Um, it wouldn't be my first choice of dessert. <laughs> okay. What's your first choice of dessert then? Soft baked chocolate chip cookies. Okay. Yeah. Dark chocolate chip cookies. Okay. Stuffed with Nutella. <laughs> I have a, I have a fantastic recipe that I make. Oh, um, nice. 
they're it's it's a brown butter um gosh i can't even remember what it's called it's a brown butter nutella stuff dark chocolate chip cookie with sea salt it's they're phenomenal I oh, I'll, no. I will willingly toot my own horn on that one. <laughs> well, please share that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, if you could be a pro athlete in any other sport, what sport? And if it would be on a team, then what team would you like to be on? Hmm. Um, I probably I, – I thrive in, in sports that are like there's a team setting, but they're also kind of individual. And so I think that I would probably do really well in like a swimming setting. Um I'm not uh, big on following many sports, so um, I'd probably jo just go with swimming and, uh, I don't know, the Italian swimmers are easy to look at, so maybe I'd join the Italian team. <laughs> what What was your best swim event when you did swimming? I was a breaststroker. So do you think you would pursue that at yeah. a professional level? Okay. Yeah. Backup career? Maybe my backup. I, well, I swam, like we were talking about before, I swam for almost 15 years, and um, I came to the breaststroke fairly late in my career, um, in my swimming career. And so I think that there was a lot of untapped potential there. And I think I could have improved a lot more with, um, more technique work and just more, um, mileage over time. Nice. Yeah. Um, so then if you had to eat 10,000 calories of oh, a God. single food in one day, <laughs> oh what food would you choose? It has to be the same Lord. food. It can't be like a whole meal. Oh, wow. 10,000 calories? Yeah. Holy cow. Uh, well, I would easily throw up because I <laughs> couldn't keep all that in my stomach. Um, I don't know. I could probably do it with soft-baked chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, I probably could. I When I go on a break after a marathon, usually we don't run for at least a week or two, usually two weeks. And um, I, I gain weight pretty quickly in that period because um, I'm pretty uh, – I'm fairly strict on myself when I'm in a marathon cycle or when I'm training hard. So um, when I take a break and, and uh, I, I really take a break, I really enjoy my break. So I don't know, but that would be really hard. That or pizza, I, but pizza would just make me feel really sick. I don't know. They both would make me feel sick, so I would never want to do that. Okay. But if I had to, I'd probably indulge on, like, chocolate chip cookies. And then what is your pet peeve? Oh, I have a lot. Go for it. <laughs> um, geez, I don't even know. Uh, I don't like when – I don't like dirty kitchens. Dirty kitchens really annoy me because um, I'm in the kitchen a lot. Um, two-stepping on runs can be annoying, but fortunately, we don't really have anyone who does that. Um, I don't know. There are, there are honestly way too many to name. Slow drivers annoy me. I, I like to drive like I like to run um, and just get to where I'm going. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. There are a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to end with, on a positive note. So what is your favorite team memory? Not member. Memory. Eric got confused last week. <laughs> Did he say me? <laughs> no, he's kidding. like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My favorite team memory. Um, gosh. I mean, I think, honestly, when we signed on with Hoka, that was that was a big one um, for a lot of us because especially, like, we were just talking about kind of the history of the team and um, for me being part of it from the beginning um, and just seeing, like, how much – time and energy and that we all devoted and how much 
time, energy, and money like Ben and Jen put into it. And um, I think to finally get it to a point where we were getting validated for that and where we we signed this big contract. And um, I think that that was, it was just such a huge relief. And it was like a, a big moment for all of us to have all of our hard work recognized. And so um, that stands out as a favorite memory. But then also uh, performance-wise, um, the Olympic trials were for both the marathon and track um, were huge. And I was fortunate to run the marathon trials and um, be part of, uh, like Kellen and I both were sixth place there. And then, um, so that was a good day. Um, it was a little bit of a bittersweet day because we both thought we could have made the team and wanted to, but um, it was still a good day nonetheless. And then I also went out to the track trials and watched all my teammates compete there. And um, to see two fourth place finishes, like again, bittersweet because that's an awesome accomplishment, but um, it's also like you're the alternate for the Olympic team. So it's, you're so close to making it, but it's just like, you're just right on the brink. And so, um, but it was at the same time, like it was just inspiring to see um, where some of us have come from and you know we weren't like superstar pedigrees in high school or college and to see that we just continued working hard and we just continued um, putting our nose to the grindstone and, and we just kept improving and I think we owe a lot of that to like I mentioned the contract with Hoka and all of the work that Ben puts into the team and um, all of the work that each of us put into the team and the energy that we bring on a daily basis and I think that um, it's just a testament to like what we've built here. And I think that, um, you're going to see, you're going to see us, uh, exceed that in 2020. Hopefully, um, we've already been setting up really well for, uh, performances coming off of an Olympic year. And I think that, um, having three more years going into the next, uh, the next Olympic trials is going to be, um, is going to be something special.